Hey, it's Alana. And Katie. And here's another episode of Black and Yellow. Hey, 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 Black and Yellow Nation. Welcome back to another episode. If this is your first time joining us, we are thrilled to have you with us. Be sure to subscribe or follow so that you never miss a future episode. On the Updates Apple Podcasts app, the way to do that is by clicking on the purple plus sign in the upper right-hand corner. And on Spotify, it's a quick click of the follow button. If you are a returning listener, we are happy to have you back. And we hope your summer is rocking and hot and awesome. (laughs) And that you are managing to beat the heat in any way possible. Staying cool, right? (laughs) Alana, what's your favorite way to stay cool in the summer? Well, I just got AC. Like I'm one of those (gasps) not very, like I'm one of those not very fancy people. So (laughs) currently just enjoying my AC. Um, But I used to clean my fridge and freezer a lot pre-AC days. Okay. You're like, oh, great. Awesome. (laughs) I've never done that. I probably should. (laughs) (laughs) It was solely because I had no AC. I promise. (laughs) What about you? Oh, you know, the AC for sure. The um <laughs> the cold drinks, like the cold coffees. Oh the okay. iced coffee. That's okay. the proper term, right? Iced coffee. Sure. Yes. I thought you were gonna give Go-tos. me like, you know, like a slushy, a milkshake. Not a milkshake, oh, a slushy. I mean- yeah, those are good too. I mean, uh, maybe not a slushy unless it's Seven Eleven. But um, is there anything other than, <laughs> or like, uh, if you want to be fancy, you can do like Froyo or ice cream or something. You know oh, what I'm saying? Ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was on what's that site? Good Belly, and you could like order ice cream sandwiches pre-made from like various <gasps> creameries that oh. are known for their ice cream sandwiches. And I was like, okay, that sounds delicious. That also feels mm. very dangerous because you have to oh, order yeah. like six and eight packs, and then you have to like lick it all the way around so that it doesn't melt all over you. <laughs> yes, yes. I I wish I could indulge in an ice cream sandwich hardcore like once a week. But I can't. But when That's I find dangerous. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, but when you finally get one, you're like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm gonna fuck this ice it. cream sandwich. Committed. Up. Exactly. <laughs> With a capital C. Absolutely. <laughs> well, on today's episode, we are leaning into the theme of summer and are really zeroing in on a part of summer that feels like a rite of passage and saw a serious resurgence last year due to limited travel or what limited travel we can do because of the pandemic. And it's also happening quite a bit this summer as well mm. with the Delta variant on the rise. Oh, and yeah. people, you know, people were like, I'm good to travel. Oh, here comes Delta. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but these types of trips feel, correct me if I'm wrong, they feel super American. They do. They do. Yeah. And like we see them depicted in movies and TV shows. All people, the time. All the time. There's like albums made about them or for them. Same with playlists to really like mm-hmm. create those those auditory the memories. Vibes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then some of us buy wardrobes for them on the off chance that there's like a surprise photo shoot that happens. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ex- ex- <laughs> thanks, Instagram. Look what you did to us. Because today we are talking about road trips or mm. just travel in general. Mm-hmm. It's high time for road trips. It's high time for travel. Honestly, who doesn't love a trip? Who doesn't love a road trip? I mean, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, at least for me in particular, uh, road trips are something that I really like if I'm the one driving, which is kind of a unique, yeah, like I could drive for hours, uh, not through a city where I have to parallel park, that's too stressful, but if it's open road, you know, I'm good, I can drive for hours, I've, we've driven to the beach before, it's like a two, three hour drive, I'm totally fine driving the whole way there, no pit stops, I don't need them, I'm just hitting it, going, let's go. Um, What's the longest you can drive? Well, the longest I have driven was four and a half hours. Oh, wow. That's a long time. uh, For a work conference. And I drove by myself before realizing that there was an airport next door to where the conference was. Oh, no. I was like, you mean I didn't have to take this four and a half hour drive by myself for no reason? It was a time for you to spend quality time with yourself. And you did that. It was nice. There was vineyards all over the place Ooh, vineyards gorgeous. all the way mm-hmm. work oh that's beautiful. nice yeah. yeah so i didn't feel as bad because i was like look at all these pretty places that i've never seen before <laughs> they're all making beautiful wines and things that i can't or don't drink but i will indulge in the bouginess of it absolutely yeah it's hard to like knock on a road trip when the scenery is gorgeous yeah and there was no other cars i can't complain about that oh it was really it wide was open empty road. yeah Oh, look at you, Katie. I don't know if I've ever... I can't complain about that. No, no, absolutely not. I don't know if I've ever actually had that experience, so I'm quite jealous of you. But I did worry that I might get stranded and be in the middle of nowhere. Oh, man, that's real. (laughs) We'll be talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) But I made it. I'm here. No, I definitely feel you on the, like, the getting stranded on a road trip. Um, Yeah, I... so. I'm impressed by how long you can drive because I sort of tap out at two hours. Mm. Anything longer than two hours and like my butt starts to go numb and I like want to get out and stretch and like I might not be hungry, but I feel like like the compulsive need to eat. I don't know what it is about. Yeah, like the moving. You need to move. Exactly. Or like feed or just do something. Yeah, literally anything. (laughs) (laughs) Literally anything. And I think my longest road trip, I was a freshman in college and my friends and I drove from upstate New York all the way down to Orlando, Florida to do the whole Disney experience. And so I got to really see the East Coast in that way. We drove through Daytona Beach during spring break. Don't ever need to do that again (laughs) Um, but I also had no driver's license I got my driver's license pretty late I was 21 I was a late bloomer so okay with friends I was always the friend who was coughing up more money for gas because I was generally not the one driving well at least your friends did at least you and your friends agreed on that because I feel like that doesn't always happen agree guilt you know why split hairs There's that too. Yeah, I just felt guilty because everyone else could drive and I couldn't. And I I was just, you know, I was like, oh, I want to be able to do something. And like, that just felt like the the nice thing to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see where you're going. Because yeah. Lord knows if I were on the other side of that, I'd be like, um, she's not driving. Like, she needs to pay up for this gas money. Let's go and cross country is not free. But yeah, I'm I that late. But. <laughs> As long as it didn't cause any friction, it doesn't matter. That's that's True. What, yes. what it is. We're still friends. Exactly. It's all good. <laughs> that's all that matters. But I will say, I my fiance and I rode took a road trip in Spain. We drove from Ooh. Seville to Madrid, and it was the most American I ever felt. Because okay. 
I don't want to speak for all Spanish people. I'm I'm sorry. This is just the feeling that I got. But when we mm-hmm. told people we were driving all that distance and like having a road trip and stopping in between, people looked at us like we, oh interesting yeah like we were strange so like you saw vineyards <laughs> for wine we saw olive vineyards and like that's what oh. a lot of the spanish um i don't want to say countryside but like that's what a lot of spanish topography looks like it's just like okay. endless rows of olives and and my fiance and i couldn't figure out if it was the road trip that threw people or the fact that they were like you're going from a major city to a major city just just fly like why are you driving <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, road trips kind of have that funny, the funny effect, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I can't say I've ever seen them like depicted in European. Ooh, that's a great point. Actually. I guess I would know every piece of European art, but I feel like we know so many examples in American media. Yes. And I'm wondering what that looks like in European media. Hmm. Like uh, road trips are to American culture as blank is to European. Because I would imagine, yes. like, I feel like you see a lot of train trips depicted in European films. Like a lot of like, you know, trips to the countryside via train or sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. things happen on the, the railway of some or sort. Or like a boat or something. Yeah, but I and do understand. And scarf blowing and... Oh my god, yes. <laughs> so La Dolce Vita of you 100%. <laughs> That's a really astute point. I don't know if I can pick like a, a handful of European films that feature, that have road trips at the uh, center of the movie. Mm-hmm. Which is good, because we're going to be covering road trips and then travel writ large, so everyone can probably relate to this episode. If you're a person of color listening, you can probably relate to this episode in some way, shape, or form. And tell us. Exactly. We want to hear about it. Because as much as we can sit here and laugh and kiki about road trips that we've had, the reality of road trips and really travel writ large is that it's not always been kind to people of color. Mm -hmm. I think that this comes as a shock to absolutely nobody but the road trip of yesteryear were not always safe and kind places for travelers of colors i like to think of that song get your kicks on route 66 yes mm-hmm. yeah and like in in various travel museums that i've been to you generally in within the united states that is you generally hear that song playing and it gets people to sort of like bob their head and stab their feet because it's sort of kitschy and a throwback. But mm-hmm. black people know the racism and danger that the mother road had. And thus, we don't think of it so kindly. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, the lore of Route 66 still carries on. Yeah, it's kind of like knowing, not knowing the history of certain things, but still continuing to say them later. Yes, 100 percent i i completely agree with you yes yeah and even as recently as last year traveling while asian can still and does still have dangerous and scary consequences also you know adding on to all of the hate crimes the pandemic related hate incidences against asian americans and and so forth uh it's also worth mentioning that anti-asian hate is not exclusive to the united states so in this episode, we wanted to talk about how road trips and travel have not always been a safe place for both Black and Asian travelers and how you can make your summer trip a little bit safer, be it road, air or sea. Ah, but first, 
We're going to put our money where our mouth is. If you are a new listener to the show, this is the segment that we'd like to spotlight small businesses in an effort to get you to diversify your dollars. The BLM protest might be over, but you can always participate in everyday protest by choosing where you spend and who you spend with. So in this segment, Katie and I are both going to spotlight two businesses that we love, that we think are dope, that we want you to support. And, you know, don't give the big businesses your money when you can support female and you can support black or Asian owned businesses. Katie, what you got? So mine is called the 40 Pounds Coffee Bar. Uh, Pounds is LBS. So the... (laughs) You know, in in all caps, and I I literally saw this place and I was like, "Ooh, tell me more," because that is a really interesting <laughs> name for a place. And you can find them on Instagram at forty lbs, which is also an interesting Instagram <laughs> handle. <laughs> um, but I am here for it. So they are a coffee and tea bar that was designed with comfort and quality in mind. Uh, They're located in Oregon, Washington, or Oregon. Yeah, just Oregon. They have multiple seating configurations to accommodate various people's needs. Like if you were um, on a hiring committee or you're catching up with friends, you're going on a date, meeting with coworkers, you know, happy hour, all of the fun things. So it's meant to specifically be designed and lay out in a way where you can accommodate all of those types of events for people. Oh, tight. yeah, so I don't know how big this place is, but I'm assuming that it's either really big or they really maximized all of <laughs> right. their space. <laughs> Whichever I'm good with. And they so 40 pounds coffee bar serves coffee, tea, bagels, pastries, and all and other all locally sourced. Um, and I don't know about you, but these are the types of places that I didn't know I would miss until the pandemic happened. Places Ooh. that you can study, places that you can catch up on work where you can people watch, you can sip and relax, you can munch and relax, you can just have a breather from work, from life, you know, just kind of having that mood huh? with the music and everything, the fireplace, you know, all the things. So I didn't necessarily, first things first, I don't know why hearing you say 40 LBS was so funny, but it just was. <laughs> um, and I feel you on the experiences that due to the pandemic we miss because I felt that way about um, window shopping, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like just perusing and browsing a store. But I have yet to be bitten by the I just want to hang out in a coffee shop and get work done bug. But I think hearing you talk about 40 LBS has actually changed that because there is a coffee shop that I love near me that I would love to just sort of go and post up in. So thank you for, for planting that. <laughs> Intentionally, of course. Uh-huh, 40 LBS, <laughs> we see you. Um, well, while you're at 40 LBS or your favorite local coffee shop, you can check out my favorite one-stop shop and resource for traveling while black. It's called Travel Noir. Mm. Uh, at Travel Noir on Instagram. Uh, my love for this website knows no bounds. I've been using it for, I want to say the past four years now. Oh. And, yeah, it's been around since 2015, I want to say. Uh, and let's be real, like a lot of travel guides or blogs or vlogs and websites, they pretty much prioritize white dollars and white eyes. Mm. But not travel noir. Okay. Uh, 
Travel Noir is a website for black travelers who are looking for travel tips, suggestions on where to travel, where to stay. That's not full of ignorance and racism. Recommendation, recommendations about what to do. Uh, I like to think of it as a digital green book for black travelers. We will get to the green book in just a little bit. And with a, a large community of like-minded Black travelers asking a lot of the same questions that Black people usually ask, I would assume this also happens with Asian travelers, but I'm going to ask you, like, do you ever feel like when you travel, you, you're like, where, are all the, where, where do all the Asian people live? Like, where's the Asian food? In the same way that Black yeah. people, when we get to a location, we're like, okay, where's the east side? Where's the Black part of town? Where's the black food? Like, where's the black culture? And then we can sort of mm-hmm. go out from there. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so totally. We're, we're aligned in that way. Okay, yes. perfect. So, yes, Travel Noir basically at answers all of those questions. Uh, my favorite column on the site is their traveler stories where black travelers give their honest feedback. Ooh. on what it's, Exactly. I like that. Right? What it's like <laughs> really like to travel to these dream destinations. Yes. There was a recent... Uh, article about being a black woman traveling to Greece that broke my heart because I've been mm. wanting to go to Greece for a while. And this article did not have great things to say. But again, that's why these kinds of online guides exist. I right. cannot recommend this site enough for any black travelers, uh, especially now with travel kind of sort of feeling like it's on. It's a really right. great resource to help you plan travel or to reference when you're on your trip and need some suggestions on where to go. Oh, so- that's awesome. <laughs> And don't feel left out if you are an Asian American listener to the show. I also have some references at the end of the show, some great online communities for you guys to check out and our call to action, because I just feel like there needs to be more of these communities for Black and Asian travelers, specifically women. There's not enough of them, but hopefully this episode can inspire some people to change that. Yes. So we'll put links to both of these companies in the show notes, and we're going to get to our episode. So... I covered road tripping while black specifically. Road trips have always had a um, sort of a story, difficult history in the United States if you are a person of color. And I wanted to kick this specific part of the segment off with this quote that I heard on a recent podcast. It's Travel and Leisure's podcast. It's called Let's Go Together. And the quote is by Martinique Lewis. She's the president of the Black Travel Alliance and author of the ABC Travel Green Book. And she says, quote, as I say to black people traveling anywhere, regardless if it's a road trip or internationally, stay alert and aware because you are black. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we are born to the fact that we have to always be on the lookout. We all have to always be very protective of our space and how people perceive us because we're black. That's very real. Mm. And I think that's a good place to kick this off because I think that the one thing that both Black and Asian travelers can agree on in this modern day age of traveling is that a sense of safety is the top concern when traveling because mm-hmm. both of our cultures have experienced it, have experienced in their own ways discrimination and danger to varying degrees. Uh, In the case of African-Americans, it's impossible to talk about road trips without talking about Victor Hugo Green's Green Book and Sundown Towns. You probably heard about Green Book through that Disney movie that Mahershala Ali won an Oscar for. 
called Green Book. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Just girl, you didn't think I was going to let this segment go without mentioning Green Book, please. <laughs> I know who I am, who my co-host is. I anytime I can put a Disney nod in yes. there, trust me, I will. <laughs> I got you, girl. <laughs> um, many people of color have been raised with the adage of you have to work twice as hard to get half as much, yeah. and that adage stretches to travel. Am I right? Mm-hmm. For since, sure. Yeah, since many black travelers, both past and present, uh, have to do a great deal of planning before we ever hit the road. Mm-hmm. So from the years of 1936 on, black travelers would not step foot on the open road or drive onto the open road without Victor Hugo Green's Green Book. So Green was a Harlem-based postman who had grown weary of discrimination Blacks faced whenever they ventured outside of their neighborhoods. And mind you, rates of car ownership had increased in the years pre- and post-World War II, but the attraction of the open road or the interstate, as they used to call it back in the day, Mm. uh, was full of risks for Black people. Whites-only establishments and policies meant that Black travelers often couldn't find safe places to sleep and eat. And sundown towns, which were municipalities that Black people were permitted to work in during the day, but were banned from after dark, were scattered across the country. Mm. And so he was inspired by earlier books published for Jewish, for Jewish audiences. Green developed a guide to help Black Americans travel without fear. So the first edition of the Green Book only covered hotels and restaurants in the New York area, but soon expanded its scope by gathering field reports from fellow postal workers and carrying and offering cash payments to readers who sent in useful information. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I hopped down to my local library, the downtown public library, which actually has copies of the green book you have to like go all the way up to the third floor and like make an appointment and they bring them out by hand with mittens or not mittens with like little white gloves on to protect Mm -hmm. the paper and it was really really cool stuff to see Mm -hmm. and the way that the green books listings were organized were by state and city with the vast majority located in like major metropolitan areas like Chicago and Detroit. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm sure I will surprise no one. The further flung travel options like your Alaska, for instance, only had one lone entry in 1960 (laughs) in the 1960 guide. But even in cities with no black friendly hotels, the book often listed the addresses of homeowners who were willing oh. to rent rooms. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, author Lawrence Ross, who went on and documented what he called the blackest road trip ever, a.k.a. the Green Motorist Book Tour. He framed it beautifully when he said that black people have always been a refuge. Mm. And when he went on his trip, he found that the basic early infrastructures of what we now know as an Airbnb, he found those infrastructures existed, meaning that private homes owned by black people were used when hotel rooms and motel rooms were not available, particularly when traveling along Route 66. Okay. And just to wow. round out this segment, uh, it is worth mentioning the Green Book wasn't the only handbook for black travelers. Excuse. Okay. Okay. Disney was not trying to let the competition be like known, but we're going to bring <laughs> it out here. Uh, there was another publication. It was just simply called Travel Guide, one word, and okay. was marketed with the tagline, Vacation and Recreation Without Humiliation. Wow. 
Right. Ex- right. Rhymed. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of wish I had known about that before going to the library because I would have looked up that too. Obviously, the Green Book was just the much more popular option, mainly Mm. because they had a contract with a lot of local gas stations. And so Mm -hmm. the green books were carried in your local gas station. So if you happen to forget your green book at home, you can pick one up at the local gas station. Right. And so while the, the green book proper is no longer in print or circulation, black people still tend to carefully plan before hitting the road. Certain friends of mine and their family members still have, tell me if you remember this, a Thomas Guide. Do you remember those? I don't know if it was called that, but yeah, I definitely remember the physical guides and maps. Yes. Okay. Yes. The physical or a physical map of some sort. Uh, Even though GPS is way more 2021 and user friendly, I still know black people that utilize those because you never know. Just it's, it's the just in case mentality. Um, out of battery mentality yeah i mean (laughs) yeah when you are on a road trip and your phone dies that feeling of dun 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 that happens in your soul is like Mm -hmm. can be paralyzing so i think it's to stave that off uh installing dashboard cameras just in case there's a police incident that needs to be caught on tape should something happen and then doing like your best to avoid stopping in rural cities and townships where the demographics don't reflect a lot of black people Mm. and then when all else fails hop right on facebook which has tons of communities of black travelers sharing travel tips and lodging advice etc yeah and i am going to slightly pivot away from road trips to specifically talk about travel experiences more broadly, since that is where a lot of my research led me, um, which I feel like many people can relate to. And as you already mentioned, Alana, safety is a huge concern and was mm-hmm. mentioned quite a few times in these, a lot of these posts were from before 2021. Uh, ah. So before the pandemic, traveling in the U.S. as an Asian American meant expecting locals to ask questions like know where you really from or hearing responses like wow your english is so great um and since the pandemic and the rise of rising awareness and acts of anti-asian hate crimes asian identifying uh travels may have been taking extra precautions or opting not to travel at all (sighs) uh last year after the start of the pandemic cnn traveled talked to asians who travel for a living which first of all Yes. How, <laughs> how are they able to travel for a living? Please tell me. I would love to know. Katie wants that job. <laughs> I would love to know. Um, but anyway, what there's so there, there's quite a uh, few of people that they had talked to. All of them seem to be uh, really big on Instagram and other social media and blogging accounts as well. Um, one Asian American mentioned taking extra precautions in the U.S., having to have come back during the pandemic and live at home um, with plans to move to an Asian specific country or like an Asian populated country where there oh. may be less violence and racism against Asians. Uh, and they in particular had mentioned that they would wear the face covering. They would also wear sunglasses and they would tie their hair back and wear it under a hat so that people had no indication of what their race was um, while they were at home. So um, and that was, yeah, and that was at the beginning of um, the pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. Oh, 
Um, a Thai backpacker said when he travels, everyone assumes he doesn't speak English. He also mentioned Western tourists often greet him with a Chinese or Japanese specific greeting, thinking he is Chinese or Japanese, but he is Thai. A uh, Chinese Canadian mentioned staying mostly at home to be safe, uh, having lived in a mostly Western populated area and purposely not looking like an Asian tourist to avoid unwanted looks and attention. So purposely not carrying their camera to take pictures for their blog and things like that. Uh, one traveler who is half Asian also mentioned they were followed, stalked and harassed for being Asian when they were, were either by themselves or with other Asians while traveling. So they purposely did not travel with other Asians, especially once the pandemic seemingly started to get better. They in particular also noticed that when traveling with others who did not identify or look Asian, they were never attacked. So those are just some examples oh, of people who travel for a living um, all over heart. the world. Like that yeah. breaks my heart to, to, to hear because everyone should have the right to travel freely the way that they want to. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. Like everyone should feel like they can bring their camera and take up space and take as many fucking pictures as you want. Mm -hmm. And I mean, traveling is supposed to be something to celebrate, right? Some, yeah. To learn about other cultures, to learn about other places and other people. And you want to document of, it. Right. Yeah. And it kind of uh, sucks out all the fun. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and it also in some of the U.S. specific road trip and travel posts that I read, comments from self-identified Asian Americans mentioned they never experienced any of the comments or actions that I previously just mentioned. Hmm. So okay. it's kind of like a it feels like it's an extreme. It's like an either or kind of there, there weren't many um, in-betweens, but um, a scenario. Yeah, a scenario that I could relate to that was also mentioned in the comment threads by both Asian Americans and those who don't identify as Asian Americans uh, because they had Asian American friends when it happened or Asian American family when it happened is the locals' curiosity with Asian culture and choosing you or your Asian American travel buddy as their resident expert to tell them all about it. Mm. Even though you or your friend or both um, are from the U.S. and may have no ties to the country, culture, language, etc. Right, right. And so this is something that I've encountered, as I'm sure many other people have encountered, when you're like, hey, I'm traveling, and, and you may look a little bit different than the locals. Uh, people are quick to know, specifically with me, about my Japanese name and asking me. Uh, I, I personally would never have guessed that my name was Japanese, but apparently people are really quick to pick up on it, which is really? great for them. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, is your last name Japanese? And I'm like, why, yes, it is. And then... They'll be like, oh, my gosh, I love Japan. And have you ever been to blah, blah, blah place? And have you ever tried this? And isn't this place so great? And oh, isn't this? And I'm unload. Like, unload. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm not Japanese. And my partner is. And I took the Japanese family name when we married. Does sorry. that happen more in the U.S.? Oh, for sure. That feels very U.S. It's like I can hear your last name. It sounds Japanese, but I can't look at you and like tell where you are actually from. Yeah, exactly. It's like you look like an Ohashi. Well, OK, but <laughs> technically not. Exactly. <laughs> like, sure. Exactly. But also, yeah, it actually happens in the workplace a lot. Um, oh. And it's hard because so for people who don't know, I'm an academic college advisor. So I advise college students on what classes to take and where their career is and all the fun things. And it's really hard to 
purposely be engaging a student to talk about themselves and then them doing this 180 on me and being like let's talk about you in japan and then me being like actually not let's me focus. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is about you not about me yeah so i feel well versed in that scenario Got it. Uh, and well, it did come up a couple funny. times yeah <laughs> um no, and, and you feel you kind of almost feel bad too because you don't want to shut them down and then that no. could you know ruin or create a negative experience but also like there's only so many times that you have the capacity to do it yeah that's <laughs> and i don't i don't know anything about japanese culture history etc so i would be lying through my teeth trying to get through that you don't want to set yourself up for that either no yeah um and there was also a specific comment that i did want to talk about really briefly uh, specifically about south and southeast asian americans um the commenter shared their experiences not as a south southeast asian american but witnessing their south and southeast asian american friends being at oh excuse me being attacked for with specifically hispanic middle eastern or black racial slurs and comments when traveling across the u.s like they couldn't place where these people were from exactly that they weren't white is what i'm hearing exactly and that's horrifying we've seen this before in history i mean one of the well more well-known hate crimes with this was the 9-11 on indian americans which we did talk about in our previous episode about anti-asian hate crimes and violence uh and projects like uh, i don't know what the acronym stands for but projects like s-a-a-d-a road trips project Hmm. have been created to document south asian american travels across the u.s both good and bad to help redefine what the American road trip looks like and to bring South Asian American narratives forward. So if you go to the website, there's a lot of um, families, individuals, friends, like coworkers who are traveling together and they post their pictures to create an archive and document it so that their narratives are not ignored and erased. I love that. Yeah. And S-A-A-D-A is a great resource that actually will kick us off. Well, it'll segue nicely into our calls to action. So we figured for our calls to action, we're going to give three travel tips about how you can travel safe this summer. Mm. So I will start and I'm going to use S-A-A-D-A road trip road trips project (laughs) as a jumping off point because I do think that it's important that you find your online travel communities that will address your unique travel needs whether it's SAADA or my favorite Travel Noir as discussed I also really like Black Girls Travel 2 Black Mm. Travel Alliance Women Traveling Together which is a site that I stumbled upon in the pandemic uh, and it's all for solo female travel oh yes Right. Which like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm brave enough to do that, but I want to be one day. And so I just find that great. But also Wild Junket and Tour de Lust for Asian female travelers are some really great websites to check out as well. I just say in general, find the community that addresses your unique travel needs or worries. It's totally fine to hop onto any of these resources and look for like, is it safe to travel to Herzegovina, Greece, Turkey? (laughs) I'm sure. <laughs> I didn't even know where that was. I was like, what? What? Literally, that was the first thing to, that, that came to mind is like an esoteric travel location that someone may or may not know is safe to travel to if you're black or Asian. True. You know, I think that there's a lot of the, the mainstay, the Paris and the London that get a lot of play. But I do think that with us still trying to recover us, meaning the world uh, nationally and internationally, mm-hmm. 
I do think you're going to see a lot of secondary markets for travel. So mm-hmm. maybe not your big cities like Paris and London, maybe your smaller cities in France, like a, a Lyon and Avignon. Um, I think like the like smaller travel markets are going to get a lot more action while we try and figure out how to get ourselves out of this this coronavirus uh, mm-hmm. finally. And so I do think it's good to know and find these travel communities. And once you find them, just binge all of their content. Yeah. See what their listeners or their readers are saying is, is good to go to, is not. Also, don't forget to read those comments. The writers are great. The travel journalists are great. But also the comments from, from other readers. Don't forget to make note of those. There's some great travel gems in there, too. And mm-hmm. when it's all in the name of, like, traveling safely, more information is better than less. Yes, I totally agree. And that is also my number one research mm-hmm. reviews do it all know what to expect or at least know what has already come to play so that you can expect that something similar or something related will happen um researching you know doing your hotel restaurant reviews if you know where you're going to be mm-hmm. or know specific places that you're going to visit this can involve going to yelp reviews reading blog traveler posts Um, learning about like their travel experience. For me, having a general idea of a given space and knowing certain reviews around that area and like what is like super awesome about this place and what is super awful about this place really helps so that I don't go in being like, um, is this normal? Is this something that happens on the regular or is this something that I should be like worried about? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it something that is considered like wild and out there but is something that often happens or is this like i need to call someone like your parent (laughs) because Uh something is getting a little too wild Uh and Uh it also gives you an idea of what everyone else has experienced like alana had previously just said while traveling versus a standalone experience right um and for me this is this is something that i also really like to i like to be prepared i think that's like the closest Disney pun I can ever come up with, but be prepared. Go listen to the Lion King song and be prepared for anything uh, because something you just never know. And then listen to a whole new world after be prepared. So you can just, you can get both of the stimuli going. Yes. (laughs) Be prepared is kind of a doom and gloom, but uh Sang well, by two different people, and it sounds awesome. But I also think a nice caveat to both of our tips, because I agree with you on the be prepared. A thing that my father-in-law always says is know where your local, know where your U.S. embassy is if you're traveling oh, yes. overseas. Mm-hmm. I do think that's a part of. <laughs> I think that's something that our parents tell us before us, meaning like younger people, and we're like, "Yeah, mom, yeah, d- find the embassy." Oh my god, these old heads! Mm-hmm. But it is good to know yeah it is part of being prepared is if something gets a little crazy or you know some shit pops off and you Mm -hmm. need to go to your local u.s embassy that is absolutely a part of being prepared 100 percent. i also take a picture of my passport just in case i lose it a photocopy will wear will work as well just putting it out there Mm mm-hmm 
Um, so I will start with my second one. I always give my itinerary to a parent. Mm-hmm. You can also give your itinerary to a family member or close friend who you trust, who's organized. Uh, all itineraries that you feel are pertinent information for your loved ones to have. Mm-hmm. Things like flights, hotel and lodging, rental car. Sometimes when you're booking a hotel or when you're booking a rental car, it'll ask you for an emergency contact. Don't feel like a child. Put an emergency contact. If your parents are still with you and are able to access a phone, I always put my mom. You can put your best friend. You can put someone, a guardian who you grew up with. Mm -hmm. But don't shirk that emergency contact in the event that something happens, the hotel can reach out to someone who's not you or your partner who you happen to be on the trip with Uh, and i'm not sure if this is just a black thing i don't think it is um but air being being while black or while asian is very real Mm -hmm. and discrimination has on those on that platform has been clocked before Mm -hmm. so I don't know if you can afford this. I don't know if this is a bougie thing or not, but I like to stay in a hotel that like has a reputable name Mm. so that it's less likely that I will encounter discrimination upon booking or even worse, have my reservation canceled in that span of time where I'm traveling and I really need lodging. I never want to be like without lodging because of discrimination because of the color of my skin. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are someone who's like, ah, Airbnb, like, I don't want to Airbnb while black, check out New Airbnb, which is Airbnb for black people. Um, Pre-pandemic, I used it. It's great. You generally, it's black people opening up their homes to other black people. You've already sort of done the legwork of making sure that you're not going to be uh, discriminated against when booking and you're probably not going to be in an area that is anti-black and you're probably going to be in an area that has a lot of people that look like you and will look out for you. Mm, I like that. Man, I got to find something like that. Um, My second one was um, don't leave valuables out in the open. Also, don't Mm -hmm. leave valuables in your back pockets. Um, I'm not I'm not saying everyone is going to try and steal your stuff but you just never know Um, I've been told front pockets are harder to steal from than back pockets hence the back pockets Um, I'm also waiting for the day that fashion decides to make large front pockets for women and female gender clothing because sometimes I don't have front pockets they're just fake (laughs) yeah no definitely shallow get a fanny pack or something Girl, I got to turn you on to a boiler suit or overalls because those generally have a front pocket. If it's an overall, it's like a nice big front pocket. Yes, I've seen those. Yeah. Yeah, boiler suit's like a little corner pocket up at the top. Okay. But but yeah, 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 yeah. I, I definitely see what you're saying in terms of needing more pocket space. Women get uh, the sham pocket space. Pocket size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Phones are big nowadays. It's just we have so much stuff nowadays. (laughs) That's really what it is. Like, can a girl get a pocket that's an actual size and not like just there for decoration? Literally. Just a thought. Just Just a thought. thought. (laughs) (laughs) And my final tip is, and this is really specific for a road trip, uh, take your car into the shop for any tune-ups or repairs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. before hitting Mm -hmm. the road. The fear of my car breaking down in some sort of rural 
area or strip of highway that does not favor black people and the possibility of no one stopping to help me based on the color of my skin is a very real fear that I try to stave off as much as possible. And part of that is taking my car into the shop. I don't want to be stuck in some podunk dirt town and mm-hmm. my car can't get fixed for days. Like that's not really working for me. Uh, a place where I could be targeted for some sort of a hate crime and such. That's not really my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not giving this advice empty, emptily. In fact, I am taking my own advice because I'm heading to the desert at the end of this month. So I am, I made my appointment to go to Honda and take my car in. So this is not nice. empty advice by any means, but yeah, make sure your vehicle is good before hitting the road just to make sure yes. there's no problems. Yes. And I mean, I guess you could also apply it to other things. You can also do some research on the train or the, the plane that you're yeah, going on. Definitely. 100%. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Yep. So that could be another thing, too, that you can add. Um, my last one is know where your exits are. Uh, this is something we should do everywhere we go, not just when traveling. This is something we should do literally everywhere we go. Every place you go, know where the exits are and plan multiple exit retreat options for yourself in case anything happens. Mm-hmm. This specifically happened to me once where I was on a family vacation. We literally just pulled into the hotel for the night and went to bed. My mom literally woke me up in the middle of the night because the fire alarm was going off in the whole hotel and I was so dead asleep that I didn't hear it. And oh. I don't even remember if I knew how to get out of the building because I was so groggy. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing where the exit was and my parents being so alert enough to know like how we got in and where the nearest exit was, was literally like what got us out of there so fast. So you always oh. want to know exits, particularly in case of a sudden fire an earthquake or some other reason that you and the entire world did not plan for. Um, And this is also just good safety for the workplace and literally everywhere you go, because you never know about like a crime that could happen while you're at work or any place of business. Yeah, we are the U.S. and we have a gun problem. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, you know, after the rash of of gun violence that we had pre-pandemic, I definitely felt myself when I would go to a concert or the movie theaters, like clocking the exits Mm -hmm. and standing or being in a place where like, if some shit went down, I'm Mm -hmm. out real quick. I could not agree with you more. Definitely. Mm -hmm. 100%. Well, that is our show, guys. We want to know if you have felt any of this discrimination while traveling either on the open road or just traveling in general for fun for business we want to hear your feedback on today's episode you can find us on the gram at black and yellow podcast or you can email us if you want to tell us your deepest darkest thoughts desires or just say hey we're at podcast black and yellow at gmail.com we're also on the gram uh individually my name is alana webster but on the gram they call me renegade of fun and my name is katie ohashi you can find me at disvillain scholar and we will be back next week. But don't forget, if you had not, if you have not subscribed, please do while you're on the Apple Podcast app. Feel free to rate and review. Five star would be great. And in the comments, you can just put awesome exclamation point. <laughs> Any sort of review really helps to keep this little baby of ours pushing forward. And it all helps. We'll be back next week. But until then, stay cool. However you choose to do so, whether it's yes. AC or with a cool, frosty beverage. We will talk to you later. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.